Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord that you gave this word, that it's been preserved for us through all these thousands of years, Lord, so that we could have it with us now, unchanged, just the way you wrote it. Thank you, Lord, for for preserving your word and for being the God of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you turn to Genesis chapter 48, going to look some more at this wonderful passage here at the um, the outgoing of Jacob in the process here before he goes to be with the Lord. Let's start here in Genesis 48, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, and I will make thee make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine and shall be called after the name of their brethren and their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same as Bethlehem. And Israel beheld Joseph's son and sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, These are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God has showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim on his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named on them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. 
In our last study, you remember, we started, really it's the last chapter in Jacob's life. I mean, it's the last chapter in Jacob's life. It's the last section in the book of Genesis. And it all really started in the last part of uh, the last chapter 47, verse 29, which when it said, the time drew nigh that Israel must die. So we started to look at it, and this is the great patriarch, Jacob, and he's, he's approaching death, but yet he's very agitated. He's all worked up. He's disturbed because he just didn't want to die until he got something done. He got something done. So he had to get from his most trusted, his favorite, his most loved son, Joseph. He had to get him to swear to him, to make a vow to him that he would not allow, that Joseph would not allow him to be buried in Egypt. He didn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wanted to carry, have his remains carried off to Canaan. And so the surface, you know, when we looked at that, we thought, well, what difference does it make? What difference does it make whether it's Egyptian worms or Canaanite worms that eat his body? What difference does it make, you know? But it made all the difference in the world to Jacob because Jacob saw, as he was approaching the end of his life there in Egypt, he saw the greatest danger that was posed to his children and to his descendants. And he wanted to make this last statement with his remains. And the statement was, Egypt was not for them. They do not belong to Egypt. It's not part of them. And so as we saw this, we understood how Jacob was really speaking to us in this because the great concern that he had is the greatest danger that there is for believers, and that's the danger of being allured away from God by the world. It's the danger of what the Bible calls the secret enticement of the heart, is that Job talked about that in Job chapter 31.25, Job 31.25, where Job says, if I rejoiced because my wealth was great and because mine hand had gotten much, Job 31.27, he says, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth has kissed my hand. Well, that's quite a thing. <laughs> Boy, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, that's the danger. That's the danger of having some amount of wealth. Not you don't have to be a you know billionaire, but just enough to live a comfortable life and to be secretly enticed inside by saying, "Who needs God? Why do I need God? I have enough money in life." And that's the heart that's secretly enticed and drawn away from God. And this is the danger at looking at what God has given to us by his, he gave us strength to accomplish whatever we do in life. And the danger is to say, oh, it's my own hand that did it. It's my own hand that gotten me much. I didn't do it, God did it. And that's the danger of having the heart that's secretly enticed and allured away from God, which is why we are warned specifically in 1 John 2, 15, 1 John 2, 15, where we're told, don't love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's void. It's not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world, it's on its way out. It's passing away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what that verse is really telling us is that when you look at the world, it all kind of comes down to, it all kind of boils down to really two things in the world, lust or pride. That's what it is, lust or pride. And that's why when the world looks on us and casts its eyes on us, 
as Potiphar's wife did to Joseph in Genesis 40, 39, 7, Genesis 39, 7, where it says it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. And when we don't respond like Joseph didn't respond, then the world gets aggressive like Potiphar's wife got aggressive in Genesis 39, 12. Genesis 39, 12, where it says, she caught him by his garment, grabbed him by his coat, and saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So when the world cries, cries to us, lie with me, that's the time to do what Joseph did and to get up and run for our lives and leave behind whatever, just run for our lives. And this is why the Lord Jesus Christ told us to, there's one person, he said, don't forget this person. Don't forget this person who loved the world and always remember that person. Who was it? That's it. It was Lot's wife. He says, remember Lot's wife. Luke 17, 31. Luke 17, 31. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. So the Lord said, remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. So Lot's wife, and we can, and we remember this, what happened to her. I mean, there she is. She's out in the field. She's being pulled by the hand of the angel. Can you imagine? She's being pulled by the hand of the angel who said, get out of Sodom, get out of Sodom. And it wasn't just physically get out of Sodom, it was get your heart out of Sodom. And so he's forcing her to run for her life. And what does she do? Inside, we don't see it. Inside, she's secretly enticed in her heart. And she turns around and she looks, and it wasn't just like, I wonder what's gonna happen. It was with a look of longingness. It was like, oh, Sodom, my friends of Sodom, all the things I had in Sodom, the life that I had in Sodom. And it was that look that instantly God turns her into a pillar of salt. That's why the Lord Jesus says, don't ever forget her. Remember Lot's wife. I mean, just think of Joseph. Joseph, who, who left behind his coat, and what if, what if Joseph said, oh, my coat, my coat, you know? I gotta go back and get my coat. I can't lose another coat the second time. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and go get my coat. And if he had done that, if he had done that, you can be sure that he would have, he would have found himself lying with Potiphar's wife, and that just doesn't mean telling a fib. So Joseph said, it, "Joseph said, you know what? It's better to lose my coat and not lose my soul." And that's what the Lord was saying. That's what the Lord was saying in Matthew sixteen twenty six. In Matthew 20, sixteen twenty six, the Lord said, "What is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose?" his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So this is why Paul, he warned us, John says, love not the world, and Paul also has his call of resistance. Resist the world. Stand up and fight against the enticements of the world through resistance, and that's really what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is all about. Romans 12, 1 and 2 can all be sort of boiled down to resistance, resist. He says in Romans 12, 1, he says, why, what do you want you to do? I beseech you, brethren, there, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And then he says, resist and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philip's translation is so good. Romans 12, 2, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's so great. Anyway, well, this is a statement that Jacob wanted to make of having, and this is what's behind him wanting to have his, his remains buried out of the grandeur of Egypt into the lowly Tijuana plains <laughs> of Canaan. You know, it's like, uh, how could you do that? But, but that's what he did. Now, we're starting a section here on the blessings that Jacob is going to give to his sons. It's very significant. You might look at it and say, so, so, so what's so important about Jacob blessing his sons? Well, it's really a great transition in the history of God's people here because for hundreds of years, God's people was one person, you know, it was God's people was one person named Abraham. And then God's people was one person named Isaac. And then God's people was one person named Jacob. Well, now in the Bible, God's people are going to really expand. They're really going to multiply. It's going to be the sons of Jacob who are going to form the, going to have a great number of descendants. And in the Bible, God's people are called the church the church. The church begins with Adam and Eve. They were the first people of God in the church. Now the sons of Jacob, they're going to be God's people, and the church and God is going to work through them. And this is the significance of of Jacob now giving his blessing to his sons. So the sons of Jacob are now going to be the church known as Israel. It's the Israel church. Israel was, Israel always has been, Israel is today, and will be the church the church. And so when you look at the church, there's two really important terms that are very important, uh, and they're described in Romans 11, and they are the terms, as far as the church goes, the terms cut off and grafted in. Cut off and grafted in. Now, cut off refers primarily to Jewish people. If a Jewish person rejects the Lord Jesus as God and Messiah, as the Savior, then he is cut off from Israel. He is cut off from the church, from Israel the church. And Jewish people are in danger of that. As it says in Romans eleven seventeen. 17, it doesn't say cut off, it says broken off there. But all throughout the Old Testament it says cut off. But in Romans eleven seventeen it says, and if some of the branches were broken off, that's Jewish people, some of the branches were broken off, broken off of what? Of the church. And, and that doesn't have to be the final That doesn't have to be the final state of the Jewish person. I'm so glad for that. Because Romans 11.23, Romans 11.23 talks about a process for the the cut-off ones to go back on again when it says in Romans 11.23, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. God is able to graft them in again. Thank God. And that's what Israel Restoration Ministries is all about. It's the graft them in again. Maybe we should call it Israel graft them in again ministries, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's quite a title, I know. So we say, and besides, you can't have something like erm then, you know, because I don't even know how that would. Anyway, and then if any Gentile receives the Lord Jesus Christ as God intended for the Jewish people, for all people, as God and as the Messiah Savior, then he is graft into 
Israel, the church, grafted into the church. That's Romans eleven seventeen. Romans eleven seventeen, which says, "And thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them and with them, and partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree." So this is how Gentiles become a part of the church, which is Israel, and by a process that God calls grafting in. And this is how Jewish people become not a part of Israel, the church, by a process called being broken off or cut off. But thank God that there is also the process of being grafted in again. Okay. So with the blessing of Jacob, Israel, the church expands now to be the sons of Jacob. And here in Egypt, the church or Israel will greatly expand. It's going to explode there. As this patriarch father, as Jacob now, he sees his death approaching. He looks to give his sons, his sons, to pass on to them the most valuable possession that he has on earth, which are not sheep and goats and, and camels, but it's the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. So in verse one, someone brings Joseph this message about his father. In verse one, it says, it says, one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick. Now, it's interesting, the word that's used there for sick, which is the word challah. How many people know what challah is? You ever eat challah? <laughs> it's, okay, you have to go down to D.C. Aikens to the bakery and ask them for challah, and they're not going to make you sick to die, but <laughs> they'll give you a loaf of bread. Do you know, you ever seen challah, how it has the, yeah, right, the braided on the top. It's braided on top. That's the root meaning. Of challah. It means twisted and braided. Its root meaning is really, here it's used that Jacob has been wrung out. He's been twisted. He's been, he's worn out to the point of death. So that's why he uses the word. Uh, Jacob, Joseph then immediately comes and he brings his sons. It says in verse one, he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. I mean, can't you picture Joseph here? He, he gets this news that his father is dying deathly ill, and Joseph turns to his sons and said, get ready, we're going to go see grandpa. We see here in this Joseph bringing his two sons is, is a picture of a father who is really caring for his sons. Joseph is caring for his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. He doesn't want to lose his sons to the world, which is a very great danger. It was a very great danger for these two in particular, Manasseh and Ephraim. He doesn't want to lose them. He wants his sons with their Egyptian mother. He wants his sons to live. He wants his sons to live with God. And just as Abraham wanted his son with his Egyptian mother, Hagar, he wanted his son to live. And that's why in Genesis 17, 18, Genesis 17, 18, that Abraham prays to God and Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. This is the heart of a true father. Here, who above everything else in life, he wants his children to live with God. And so what we see in Joseph he's doing here is he's bringing his two sons to have this special time, this time alone with their godly grandfather. This meeting is, should have a lasting influence being printed on them to influence his sons to choose God instead of Egypt. So Joseph, he's, what he's trying to do here is to set the die, set the mold with his two sons that would later affect generations after him. And there's one man who's going to come out of these future generations, and he has the name of Moses. And he's going to make a decision 
that Joseph is trying to instill in his two sons here, and that decision is memorialized in Hebrews 11.24. Hebrews 11.24, where it says about Moses' decision, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, you son of Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, not me. I, I reject that. I turn it down. Throw it on the ground. I don't want it. I don't want that title, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He says he refuses that. And then Hebrews eleven twenty five. Hebrews eleven twenty five goes on to say, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See the key words in there? Choosing to be with the people of God. To be with the people of God rather than to, the, to be with the Egyptians and enjoy all the pleasures of sin. It says that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ, the reproach of Messiah, the reproach of God, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. See, that's what Joseph is trying to instill into his sons. He wants them to make the decision that Moses later would make. So it's a very tender scene here. It's a very, very tender scene. It's intimate. It's a loving father, Joseph, caring for his sons in a very special way to bring him to see their grandfather, his father, as he's dying. You know, some people think, well, you know, young people should be shielded from old people. It's not good to bring young people. Old people is very depressing, you know, especially when they're close to death. But this is not what Joseph thought. This is not what Joseph thought. Therefore, he brought his two sons to be to the dying father, Jacob. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for young people to be around old people. It's a good thing. You know, we homeschooled our kids for 14 years and begin to sort of see some characteristics about kids who have been homeschooled versus, versus go to public school. For one thing, kids who have been homeschooled, they gravitate very naturally to older people. They interact well with adults because that's really who they're mainly with. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, 
meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 